am really grateful for everybody that serves around here all week long. I mean, it takes a lot of people behind the scenes doing what you see happening at both locations, and we can't do it without you. And, you know, you, a lot of people think church is just what happens on Sunday, but there's stuff always going on throughout the week here, and we're very grateful for everybody who does that. Now, you ask, why do we serve? Well, it's very simple. Jesus told us not only to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you can't really love somebody without serving them, without helping to meet their needs, right? So um, that's why we serve. We, we do it out of love. We do it for God's honor. We do it for glory, his glory, for, for gratitude for him. But ultimately, it all comes from love. So our big idea right now is to serve the Lord by serving others. That's how you really serve the Lord. It's through others. And last Sunday I was at the Allen Park campus and I was talking to one of our longtime servants there, uh, Ruth Burdine. She has been serving in production week in and week out for many years and talking about why do you do this? And she says, well, I, I do it for the Lord. And I said, well, if you were doing it for me or Mark, you would have quit a long time ago. Isn't that right? The only thing that keeps you going is you're doing it for the Lord. The Apostle Paul says that Here's why. Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, you work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So you realize that every act of service you do, you're really doing it for the Lord. So that means when you're doing your job, yeah, on the job, you do it to the best of your ability because you're actually doing it for the Lord. When your parents ask you to do a chore, you do it well because you're really doing it for the Lord. When you volunteer at church, you aim for excellence because God is worthy. And not only that, but it inspires others. It's attractive when people see Christians doing their work at church sincerely and, and purposely. Like what they're doing there must matter because they give it their all. I love that. Notice though that there's a reward in there too. God's going to bless you for whatever kind of work you're doing. Again, it's not going to be the kind of paycheck necessarily that you can spend. It's going to be some sort of blessing now, later, or in heaven. I don't know. But when other people don't see what you're doing, all the time you're putting in, all the effort that's going on behind the scenes, God sees it. And he's going to reward you for that. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It it counts. It's not a waste of time, no matter how small or trivial it may seem, it matters. So all these good deeds we're doing, understand that we are not like other organizations. We're not just a spiritualized rotary club who are a bunch of good deed doers. And we're not drawing attention to ourselves. Ideally, what, what our good works do will draw the attention of other people, of unbelievers, to the Lord. Like Paul, uh, Peter says, he says, may they see your good deeds and what? Glorify God on the day of his visitation when Jesus returns. So those good works we're doing are all pointing people to Jesus. They're evidence of our faith. We're not saved by doing those good works. We're saved for good works. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? Because James says, hey, you can claim to be a Christian, but if you don't have the good works, then what kind of faith is that? It's a dead faith. Good works are the evidence the fruit of your faith. So it's a bit of a contradiction to have a non-serving Christian. Like there should be no such thing. God has work for you to do because you are made for a mission. You are saved to serve. You are blessed to be a blessing 
Now that means you understand that God's got you here for a reason. I, again, last Sunday I was talking to one of our senior saints, Rene Krauss, who has been serving the Lord for many, many years. She, she leads groups for women. And, and recently she's been through a lot of health problems. Most recently just had surgery for cancer. And so last Sunday was her last Sunday back. I said, great to see you. And she says, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still, God must have something for me to do. I said, absolutely. That is the only reason why we're still here. You're not here just to exist or to consume God has something meaningful for you to do. Service is what gives your life purpose. It's, those who are serving are really the ones who are most alive. So here's how it relates directly to Jesus. You really can't become like Jesus without serving, right? Because Jesus was a servant. Jesus tells us in Matthew 20, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So isn't that an awesome idea that Jesus was a servant? And we see that most graphically demonstrated when he washed the dirty, stinky feet of his disciples. Right? He humbled himself and said, all right, you want to be, you want to be great, you've got to be like me. Get down and wash some feet. Paul adds that Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to held on to, but instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being found and born in the likeness of men. So when he came to this earth, he carried on his service, his ministry through his physical body, his own hands and feet. But after he rose from the dead, he ascended back into heaven. He didn't have a physical body here anymore, so guess what? That's you and me. We become what's called the body of Christ. We become his hands and feet and carry out his ministry. So where are you being the hands and feet of Jesus? And what's ironic is it's kind of two things are going on at the same time. One is we are serving and being like Jesus to others, but at the same time, when we serve others, we are serving them like they are Jesus. <laughs> so we're becoming Jesus and we're serving Jesus. Because he says, look, that on judgment day, here's what it's going to be. He's going to say to some, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when would we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. Isn't that awesome to think that when you are helping somebody in genuine need, you're actually doing it for the Lord himself. And it can be the simplest act of service. Jesus says in Matthew 10, whoever gives one of these little ones, even just a cup of cold water in my name, because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So there's that reward again. So just those daily kind of spontaneous acts of service to other, if you do it as a disciple in the name of Jesus, it's called ministry. Because the word ministry just means service. We tend to think of ministry as being this very churchy word where that's something that you do at a church building and that's what church leaders do. They are the ministers, but that's not true. That's not what service is. Every one of us, when we serve, are being ministers. Whether you're serving fellow believers or, or you're serving non-believers, who are you really serving? You're, you're serving the Lord. So you could be helping people 
with physical needs, like just on the, on the spot when you become aware of it. Or you could serve them through uh, an organized ministry like our Open Arms Food Pantry every Wednesday. I mean, you might be serving out in the community, uh, raking yards like we do sometimes, or serving at a charitable organization, serving through social service. But if you're doing it in the name of Jesus to point people to Jesus, that's called ministry. In fact, you could be doing it in other ways, not just physical ways, but helping people with emotional needs, physical, uh, spiritual needs, like uh, encouragement, or showing them mercy, or uh, counsel, or prayer. Paul says, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. So that's ministry too. You might do it here as a decision coach, helping people with prayer or helping them make the best decision ever and getting them baptized. You, you might do it as a group leader or in student ministry or kids ministry. And, and any way that you contribute to the mission is ministry. It can be things like you know, running the sound and the lights and, and the cameras and all that. So that God can be praised with the music and the word of God can be heard. That's all ministry. It could be showing hospitality when people walk onto our campus. It can be calling up people throughout the week and checking in on them and praying for them or visiting them in the hospital or answering phones here at, at the church. All of that is ministry. Now, you might look around and assume, well, everybody's serving at the church. They must be paid for it, right? I mean, the people in the band, they're getting paid, and the people working in the nursery are getting paid, and people running the tech are getting paid. No, nobody's getting paid. <laughs> they're all doing it for the Lord. They're not getting a paycheck from us. They're getting a reward from the Lord. That We have very few people really on staff that are full-time. I think only five. And then we have some others that are part-time to take care of both campuses. But the thing is, everybody who serves in that kind of a role is doing and by the way it's very biblical absolutely to financially support those who serve in ministry part-time or full-time where they're giving so much of their time that they're not able to, to do other full-time kind of jobs but of course they're not supposed to get rich off it you know nobody in ministry should be getting rich off it it's in spite of what all the tv guys you know are, are doing no we do it for the lord don't do it for that big paycheck but what our real role on staff is to do is to help you do your ministry we're here to invite you into serving and equipping you to serve, resourcing you for serve, training you. Paul said this. This is a key passage. This is really foundational to our understanding of our role in the church. So let's all say it out loud together. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Here we go. And he, Christ, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Why? To equip the saints. Hold on. Who's a saint? You are. You're the saints. For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So God does have some in leadership roles, but it's to equip you. It's not that there's this big clergy laity distinction where we have two classes of, of Christians in the church. No, it's just that some are called, their role is to equip others to do their ministry. So you have a role to play in the ministry, and we're to help you do that. Because when you got baptized into Christ, you may not have realized at the time, but you just got ordained. You got like commissioned to get involved in serving. And not everybody in the church is going to be a leader, but everybody's going to be a minister. And so we're all needed to build the church and make it stronger. You've got a calling, and you're called not just to be a consumer, but to be a contributor. If you're part of the body, you've got a part to play. And that's why Paul makes that analogy 
with the physical body in 1 Corinthians 12. For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, well, that would make him any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, well, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. So whatever role you've got, if you're an ear, eye, hand, foot, elbow, spleen, doesn't matter. You are put together in this body to make it stronger, to make it function effectively. And when you're not doing your part in the body, it's weaker. And it's not as effective. We're, we're called together to work as a team. And that's the only way the, the job really gets done. No single ministry or person can accomplish all the work in God's mission, what he calls us to do. It's kind of like a big jigsaw puzzle. And each one of us is a piece fit together. And when you put that puzzle all together, what do you notice? You notice the piece that's missing. Are you the piece that's missing? So maybe you're saying, oh, well, what do I do? How can I be of service to others? I'm not sure what I should do. Should I be leading a group? Should I be holding babies? Should I be, you know, hanging out and mentoring teens? Should I be playing in the band? Where do I fit in? So let's look at how God has shaped you for ministry. Because really ministry is the expression of my shape. You are unique, one of a kind, complex person that God has put together to, be, to have a unique place in his body. And so your ministry is determined by your shape. And if you don't understand how God has shaped you, then you're going to end up doing things that he never intended for you to do, which will feel, leave you feeling very frustrated and ineffective and even burnt out. So how has God shaped me? And what I'm talking about really is this acrostic for the word shape. The S stands for spiritual gifts. Okay, what am I gifted to do? God has given you at least one spiritual gift, maybe more. And those gifts are not for your benefit, but for blessing others. They're not for your self-edification. They're for the building up of the body of Christ. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. Each one is given a manifestation of the spirit for what? The common good. Okay, not for you, but for, for all to serve others. And it's a supernatural thing. Because it's from the Holy Spirit. And some of these gifts are very visible and up front. Some are behind the scenes. Some require a lot of training. Some none at all. But all are valuable. God's the one that chooses what gifts you get. Okay? So he's given you gifts for a purpose and empowered you for that. It's not like any one person has all the gifts. As far as we know, that doesn't happen. And it's not like everybody has the same gift. No, there's a lot of diversity and division of labor so that the work gets done. So don't be envious of somebody else's gifts, expecting them to, to uh, serve in the same way you do or get the same results you do. We're, we're not all supposed to be the same. There's no cause for feelings of inferiority or superiority. So what gift do you have? Well, now you've got to dig into the scriptures because there's at least four different lists of spiritual gifts we find in the New Testament. It doesn't mean that that's comprehensive, that that's the list of all the gifts, but that'll get you going. It's the predominant gifts are certainly listed there. For example, in Romans 12, Paul writes, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let's use them. Okay, if it's prophecy, then do it in proportion 
to your faith. If it's service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, okay, do it with zeal. The one who does acts of mercies, do it with cheerfulness. So you may be gifted, let's say, in communicating God's word through preaching or teaching or evangelism. Or maybe you have a gift of encouragement or showing mercy or hospitality or shepherding or administration or leading. Those are all gifts listed. Some of the gifts I would contend are meant for the early Christians, the apostles and prophets through whom the church is built upon in that first century before they had a New Testament. They needed these divine direct revelation gifts of prophecy and speaking in unknown languages called tongues or interpreting those languages or having miracles or gifts of healing. Why? To give authentication to their messages that they were speaking. It may be that you have been given gifts that are more creative in terms of uh, Worship, music gifts, or craftsmanship, we see those displayed in the Old Testament. Okay, whatever your gift is, use it. That's what Peter writes. As each has received a gift, use it. Why? To serve one another as good stewards. God's given you these things of his very grace. So whoever speaks, do it as one who speaks the oracles of God. And whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So those are the kind of gifts you might receive that are supernatural. You get them after you become a Christian. But it's not to say that you can't already have those talents within you. Maybe they've just lain dormant or latent. And after you come to Christ, you know, they begin to show because God's not going to use them for his purposes. He, he sanctifies them. He's got glorified talents. That's the S. The H in shape stands for heart. What do I love to do? Because we all have different passions that move us, things that get us fired up, things we're excited about that we feel deeply about. What is it for you? Maybe it's, you know, kids or, or it's teenagers. Maybe, you know passionate about women I'm not talking about men now I'm talking about women's ministry you know you, you, you just have a heart to serve other women in that way or maybe it's it's for those who need to know the Bible or you have a passion for biblical knowledge or for prayer or, or, or for um, organizing details and planning events maybe it's it's it could be any number of things but it, guess what it's all needed all those passions and, and heart things are needed because what, what gets me wound up may not get you wound up. And what gets you wound up didn't get me wound up, but those are all needed things. So that passion you have for something, that burden you feel for something, may be a clue to your fit in ministry. All right, let's talk about the A. The A stands for abilities. What natural skills and talents do I have? Consider what talents you've already got that could be put to use in God's work. You're thinking, well, I don't have any talents like that because I can't speak and I can't play an instrument. So there's nothing I can do in the church. Whoa, hold on. No, all kinds of talents and skills are needed. What about your, your graphic skills? What about your arts and crafts? What about gardening? I mean, we're going to be doing outdoor work around here very soon. What about your mathematical abilities or your athletic abilities? What kind of skills have you picked up in the marketplace over time? What kinds of accounting skills or mechanical skills or management skills or cooking skills? All those things can be used for God's purposes, so don't let them go to waste. Activate them. The key is trying to find a good match for your abilities. But I also mentioned maybe what you're skilled at and talented at 
you don't really want to do for the Lord. In other words, you do it for your job like you're a school teacher. So all week long you're with kids. Sunday, you want nothing to do with kids, right? I, I know a lot of people like that. <laughs> like, I've had enough. Or you're somebody who is behind a computer screen all week long. On Sunday, you just want to be at the doors greeting everybody. You want to be out there. Or during the week, you run a company. But on Sunday, you just want to play the drums. You know, that, that, it's all needed. Let's talk about your personality. You ready for that? <laughs> Where does my personality best suit me to serve? Can God really use your personality? Yeah, because he, he made you that way. Now, don't, don't blame God for all the downsides of your personality, but I'm saying introverts, extroverts, thinkers, feelers, doers, uh, sanguines, melancholics, uh, beavers and lions and great golden retrievers. And, and you know what I'm talking about, all those personality profiles and temperament tests. Have you ever taken one of those? I mean, it may be helpful if you're into that. That's great. Go ahead and do that. In fact, we can hook you up with one of those. We have, we have an assessment that you can take online. But the point is, there's no right or wrong personality. God can use you just the way you are. Now let's talk about the E. That's the experiences you've had. What kind of experiences have you had that have shaped you? Because God's not going to let anything go to waste. Whatever you've been through, he can use it for the good of others. Think about whatever spiritual or ministry experiences that have been meaningful to you. I can think back all the way to third grade when I went off to church camp for a week. And I got so inspired that I came home and, and got some scrap lumber out of my backyard and built myself a pulpit. Third grade. I didn't know I could teach until church leaders put me in charge as a teenager of children's church. I don't recommend that. <laughs> but I learned to teach that way. Those kids are probably so scarred. But didn't know I could preach until my youth minister asked me to give a little five-minute mini-sermon one Sunday night. What experiences have you had that God could use? What about educational experiences? What kind of training have you gotten? Conferences, podcasts, books that you've read. What kind of painful experiences have you been through that God can use to benefit others? What problems have you learned from? Okay, add all those together and your ministry will be more effective when you are using your spiritual gifts and abilities in the area that best expresses your personality and your heart's desire along with your experiences. When you put all that together, then you've got a really good fit. And serving the Lord isn't some sort of duty or burden, it's something you enjoy doing because that's what you were made for. And it feels good to do it, you love doing it, you relate well when you're doing it because you're gifted at it. So guess what, you feel more fulfilled and you're actually more fruitful. And guess what? The church provides environments for you to do that. We call them teams. You join a team where you can serve and carry out your ministry. But you might look around and you say, you assume, well, they don't need me here. They don't need me. Everything's going fine here. Look at this. Look, at everything's just smooth as silk. Oh, look behind the scenes, my friends. It's not as smooth as you think. You don't want to see how the sausage is made sometimes, right? It's, but it's okay because God's using us even when we mess up. There's a lot going on around here that you never get to see and you are needed. You're here for a purpose and, and you couldn't be more wrong if you think you're not needed here. You think, well, there's plenty of people here. Well, yeah, that means there's even more needs. So you're needed even more. 
And guess what? You don't have to be a member to serve here. You don't even have to be a Christian first. Go ahead and jump in and start meeting needs and making a difference. And I think along the way, you're going to come to know Christ. That would be our hope. But let's face it. Some things just have to be done. Whether you're gifted at it or have experience in it or not. Sometimes you just got dirty feet that need to be washed. Isn't that right? Well, I'm not gifted. Jesus didn't say, I'm not gifted at washing feet. I don't have the the talent for washing feet. Dude, the feet are dirty. Somebody needs to clean them. Just do it. Somebody needs to do it, right? So you just jump in and start doing it. That's the way it was in my internship. Here I go off to this big church and I'm going to learn how to do ministry. And what do they have me do on my first day? Fold up chairs, set up chairs, fold down chairs the whole day. And then the next week I'm cutting clip art. Yeah, there was really a thing called clip art that you would cut out of books with scissors. I did that for a week. This is not what I'm going into ministry for, but it needed to be done. That's what they told me. It needed to be done. So I did it. (coughs) So see, here's the thing. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, I got wound up a little bit too much. Sometimes you just got to serve until you find the strategic place. We value strategic service where you say, okay, put me in where I can make a strategic contribution. But until you know what that is, just serve at the point of need where there's a critical need. And and while you're serving in that way, you say, God, move me to the place where I'm going to be of the most use. And while you're doing that, here's here's three things you can do to figure out how you're best suited, how you're shaped. First, you, you discover those gifts. What are my gifts? We can help you with that. I mean, it's really probably more art than science. It's more trial and error. But look, if you don't know your gifts yet, there's some ways. First of all, pray about it. God, how do you want me serving? Show me what my gifts are. Two, take a test. Again, go on our website, southpointccc.com, spiritual gifts assessment. And that'll help you figure out how you're gifted. But understand, a test is just a tool. It's not the final word. It's not the, the end all. It's just something to get you going. And over time, you know, as you grow in your faith, you might find out you, you have different gifts or you, you get more gifts along the way. You, you sample serve. Yeah, you just find, say, put me to work and we'll have you do something one time. You, you go in there and you try it or you observe it one time. And if it's a good fit, great. If it's not, keep experimenting and exploring the possibilities until you find the right fit. Experiment to find your enjoyment. You're not going to know until you try, right? Stretch yourself. Let God stretch you. And then fourthly, evaluate your effectiveness. Are you good at it? Other people confirm that you're good at it. Are people being helped? Are you seeing results? All right. And and you're saying, well, I I don't know that I did that well. Well, give yourself some time. Nobody's expecting perfection. And in fact, you might try it and fail for a while. But just maybe you don't know what you're doing yet. And we'll, we'll help you to figure out how to do those things. So you discover those gifts. And secondly, you develop those gifts. And that's what we're here to do, help you develop, I mean, equip you with on-the-job training, with apprenticeships, with coaching. Because the more we share the exertion, the more we can share the blessing, the more we can multiply the ministry. And then third, deploy those gifts. That's your responsibility. We are not going to beg you or shame you or twist your arm to serve. God's given you gifts. It's up to you whether you're going to use them or not. And if you don't, Jesus said, you better watch out because I might just take them away. Use it or lose it. Do not neglect your gift because you are to be a faithful steward of what God has entrusted to you. Don't waste what God has invested in you. I want to be able to stand before the Lord on that day and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You've been faithful over a little, I'll set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Don't you want to hear that? So serve the Lord by serving others, meet needs, and make a difference by being the hands and feet of Jesus. Whatever else you're doing to support yourself financially, whatever job you're, you're involved in, understand your main job is to be a servant of the Lord. Everything else you do just supports that because we are saved for good works, not by them. You can't earn your way into heaven by your good works. Jesus already did all the work for you on the cross. You just got to receive it as a gift of grace. Turn to him, repent of your sins, be baptized into Christ because he's got something for you to do. You're here for a reason. That's the only reason you're still here. So how do you get started? One, go online to our website, Go to the next steps section to specifically the team area. Make a note on your connection card or go to the point out in the lobby. Talk to somebody. Call us up. But we would love the chance to, to become partners with you in your ministry. And if you have yet to make that most important decision of all to follow Christ, I invite you to do that today as well. Reach out to us. Text your name to the number that you see on the screen or, or email us. And we'll get back to you right away. Answer your questions, pray with you. If you're here on site, go out to the point in the lobby or up here to the front, talk to me. We would love to show you and, and answer your questions and pray with you about how you can take your next step in following Jesus Christ. Let's pray about that. Father, I want to thank you that you have put us in your service, that our lives count, that they're meaningful, that what we do matters, it goes with us into eternity. So give us a, a passion, Lord. Give us the attitude of Jesus to serve. And I want to thank you for so many people who serve just week in and week out. God, bless them for it. And give them joy in it. And let them see the fruit of what they're doing, the good they're accomplishing. And God, help us to do better at it. Increase our gifts. And for those who aren't serving, move them to accept their true identity as, as ministers. And others, Lord, are doing good works and deeds out in the community. But they need to connect it to your purposes so they can make a difference that will last for eternity. Lord, we all want our lives to count and we want to be able to hear from you one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. We pray that in his name.